0: Hi, I'm Matt Little and I recorded the most important video in the history of the internet this year. Pizza Rat. Maybe you heard of it. Of course you did. You're listening to Amazing Spider-Talk. You're welcome.
1: Too many who know the angles uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. Be in 1962 or last Wednesday's afternoon. They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon Of oh, the amazing spiders Of oh, oh, the amazing spider. Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavostin and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
0: And I'm Sicky McSixter, also known as Mark Chinacchio, the founder of The Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com.
1: Sorry to hear you're so sick, Mark. Too much alcohol over the break?
0: Oh, me and Flash, were just whooping it up over the holidays, man, like the eggnog, and, and we're gearing up for New Year's now, so we got, the, we, we, you know, we had to taste the champagne before we served it, so uh, yeah, it's 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 been a hellacious last few days, but we're powering through, and we're going to have a healthy podcast.
1: I'm not going to ask you to quantify what a taste is in both your and Flash's books,
0: well, if, if we get him on later, he, maybe he'll describe it to you, okay?
1: Yeah, well, we hope everybody listening had a great holiday season, no matter what it is that you celebrated. I know Mark and I have been off for the past week because we tra- I was traveling around the, the country, and Mark was, well, doing something.
0: I was, I was enjoying a holiday with my family, Dan. Come on. There you go. C- can I have a family?
1: Yeah, you're allowed to have a family, Mark.
0: Yeah, I have a four-year-old and it's Christmas time. Do you know what that entails?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do not, and I'm thankful every day.
0: Okay, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, thanks to all of you guys out there in listener world for joining us for our fifth episode of our coverage of Volume 4 of Amazing Spider-Man. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors As we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. And Mark, I think for this episode, let's get it out front. We are still fans of Spider-Man, despite what we're going to say.
0: Oh, absolutely. We're absolutely fans. We've always been fans. Uh, You know, Spider-Verse, we were fans. Clone Saga, we were fans. Uh, But anyway... Uh, for this episode, which I promise you, you will not catch my cold by listening to. Uh, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Number 5, by Dan Slott and Giuseppe uh, And Then we'll uh, review some of your comments and emails, uh, talk a little bit of spider news, and then uh, if he's uh, feeling conscious enough, Invite our old friend Flash Thompson over For some of his extraordinary Flash reviews
1: I hope your cold wasn't contagious enough To spread the Flash
0: Oh, uh, well, you know what? He, he's got so many diseases I can't even keep up with what's going on with him these days
1: Alright, alright Well, uh, Mark, let's get right into Our delayed discussion of Amazing Spider-Man number 5 London's burning London's burning
0: Dan, Amazing Spider-Man number five. Uh, Also, for those of you out there who have checked out the review on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, I've been joking with people on Twitter about this. It's the heel turn for uh, Mark Janacchio in terms of his relationship with Amazing Spider-Man. Dan, I mean, I'll just start this off by saying, you know, in reality, I don't think there's anything objectively worse about this comic than it's uh, preceding four issues, nor do I think, I, 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 and I also think that it did some things a little bit better. Um, but for whatever reason, and we'll we'll get into those reasons. Um, I feel like this issue was kind of the turning point for me, where I more or less turned against the status quo and what Dan Slott has been going for over these last five issues. I I, I just this is not working for me. Uh, this 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 new you know, Parker industry fied uh world of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And um, you know, I, I just feel like this issue kind of really brought out what's so what's been so problematic even through the first four issues of this. So um what's what what was your general take before we get into the specifics?
1: Yeah, um I, I think I'm right there alongside you. Not that I have turned on this status quo necessarily. I I think I actually like found myself struggling with this status quo a couple of issues ago. Um, I think maybe last episode I, I expressed some of that. Um, I think all of my major complaints with the status quo remain for this issue, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but I do think that this issue was a marked step in the right direction for the series. Um, not a huge one, but it, it it showcased signs, at least for me, that I – Heard other people saying they liked about previous issues, but I found absent from those issues. So, uh, for me, there were some nice things in this thing to, to push us in a better direction for the future. Um, though, I do want to say, Mark, let's, let's get into the Before we get into specifics, I wanted to talk about this heel turn with you because this was the most commented upon review that we've ever had on our site. And, um, you know, a lot of people agreeing with you, some disagreeing with you, and and one of the commenters brought up an interesting um, argument that's kind of, uh, I think, thrown around at, at at people that might say, like, this doesn't remind you of a Spider-Man comic. He said, this review reads like a not my Spider-Man, uh, in quotations, review. Now, I don't agree with that, because, I, I you know, I know one of the things that you and I kind of... Want uh, to stress when we talk to each other is um, we don't have any ownership over the character. Um, so no. what would you say to the to the claims of uh, that maybe our complaints are a quote unquote not my Spider Man complaints and uh, I guess maybe we should illuminate what that means for the listener.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like that sense of you know this is not the Spider Man I grew up with or just the Spider Man that I love reading about. So thus this is not my Spider Man and I mean. I mean, I would say that my, my overall rebuttal for that would be, you know, the superior Spider-Man era for me was one of my favorites in recent memory. And, you know, of all the all the errors of Spider-Man, that was probably the most not my Spider-Man you could get. I mean, it was not even Peter Parker. It was Otto Octavius. And, you know, but that, that, that story until the end, uh, worked for me so much because I thought it was a well told story that 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 captured on some key elements about the character in the universe and his supporting cast. Uh and that and that there was like a logical through line to what was going on. And um you know I, I, I guess if I had any kind of complaint or, or, or overarching complaint about what what we have going on right now is, you know, I almost feel like this is this current volume is a case of Dan Slot not you know playing the half measure game, you know the, the, if you, you know those those of you who love Breaking Bad the way I do the no half measures, um you know we we have this status quo which on paper is so dramatically different and we had this and I think Dan we were both fairly favorable to the first issue because it was like just so out there compared to anything else that we had seen prior to that and it, and it felt risky and different and energetic and and but now it, it just seems that you know we 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 we're, we're kind of hitting this note of familiarity with Peter but yet at the same time it's like it seems like the only thing that's different is that he has money and he's running a company but this is still like the same old Peter who's the dumbest guy in the room who has these inconsistent relationships with, you know, supporting cast members, whether they're powered or not powered. I mean, you know, they're friends one minute. They're not, you know, they're sucker punching each other. I mean, it's like this is this is the same dance last story we've been getting for years now in terms of who in terms of Peter Parker. But it's got this like weird kind of like unique window dressing to it and i'm like you know what if you're going to be different then go all the way with it be 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 tony stark as peter as peter parker and just be unafraid of it but instead it's like we're we're tap dancing around all these lines you know we we we, i want you know he still wants to tell a spider-man story but he wants to make things you know when convenient different enough to you know introduce new technology or lingo or you know sidekicks and it's just not working for me dan
1: yeah, well, I'm going to steal from one of our writers, Zeke, uh, who's always funny, and he, and his new name for Peter Parker, which is Pony Starker, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's hilarious. And so I'm just going to be referring to him as Pony from here on out, uh, or maybe even Pony Boy, uh, if I really feel like it. But um, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you, although I think in this issue, we are given... A slight change to Peter that was absent in other issues that I think other people said that they had experienced, um, like that there was this looming downfall for Peter, or we could see like him sowing the seeds for failure and in this issue, we get a Peter Parker that 's kind of bra- you know, brags a little bit about himself and um, and is overlooking things going on within his company, um, so we can begin to see where the cracks might be forming, and I liked that that addition to this book that I I felt was absent from other books where Peter could do no wrong except for maybe leaving his fly down during a speech. But um, I have to admit that I find it kind of strange that rather than cheering Peter on to succeed, I'm kind of spending these books trying to spot his downfall, and that's not exactly the kind of experience that I'm looking for from a Spider-Man book and it kind of reinforces my feelings that we as readers still have no idea what's going on in Peter's head and we have no real benchmark for success for him uh, you yeah. know a tragedy is the audience cheering peter on towards a goal and then being saddened by him failing not you know not knowing what he's going for and then sudden, and and waiting for him to fail
0: yeah i mean i think i think something that you've come back to a few times in these reviews, Dan, has been like the lack of stakes and consequences, and I think that rung most true for me for this issue because even though we kind of had consequences definitively stated in this issue, it, it, it felt false to me because you know the the, the the big the big turn for for Peter here was you know when when all hell breaks loose and someone hacks into the closed circuit tv system you know he's he's worried about you know losing his his company contacts in london or losing his company period and but i just i found myself not caring about it because i still don't understand eight month time jump or not how how did peter succeed in the first place like like i feel like it, it's a real big gaping hole in the story so far because you know, we, we, we don't know what got, what Peter had to do to build this up, like what went into this, what was invested in this company. It's just like, you know, it was just kind of plopped on the map, so to speak. And, you know, thus, you know, let it be so that this is what's going on in his life. So as a reader, I'm not, I I, I can't, I can't empathize. I can't sympathize. I'm not invested, you know? And, and, and I feel like, and 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 that's where I also go back to this the kind of the fam- the familiarity with the character, you know Peter is you know we're looking for the downfall, but but you know for there to be a downfall you have to it has to be built from something, and this still feels like like I said earlier Dan slots Peter, you know he's getting hoodwinked by, uh you know investors who turn out to be. Villain spot, you know spies. He's getting hoodwinked by villains thought to be dead. You know he he he's got a woman working for him that he knows he can't trust. Um, for and no just,
1: reason at all.
0: Right, for no reason, just so you know. Obviously, what happened in this issue is going to set something up. I'm sure. Um, you know he's getting punched out by Mockingbird. After like seemingly like hitting an understanding with her, the, the issue earlier. And I'm just like, so what, what, what is this? This this is just like, you know, this is still Parker luck stuff. And it's like, okay, what's, what is actually different about this story? I guess that's, that's where I'm coming from.
1: And what is Spider-Man-y about this story? I mean, just talk about, let's just talk about Mockingbird punching Peter. What happened to his spider sense? Like, the idea that this is a character with a given set of attributes is completely thrown out the window. Other than, like, a brief moment here where he discusses, you know, slinging his webs across the city, um, only to have him kind of, like, floating over that city in the artwork. Like, nothing about this... I know I've complained about the lack of, like, utilization of his spider abilities, but, like, I'm reading a Spider-Man book. I want to see him do Spider-Man-esque things. You know, and... The only real action beat that we get from him here is one where he saves all of the zodiac characters, except for Scorpio from you know eating a poison pill um, in their teeth that's triggered, I guess, but even that doesn't like he he's immediately successful at that
0: yeah no i i, I, I agree hundred percent with you dan i mean it, it's there's nothing spider y but like I said, I guess it's that Peter is the same. I, I mean, would you do would, you see any real differences in Peter? I mean, you talked about the, the hubris, but I don't think it was that, like, gregarious. Well, you know? uh, yeah, uh,
1: I mean, especially compared to Otto. You know, we've had right. a direct example of someone, you know, and it's funny because I, I think Otto is, is slot best written character during his time on the book, you know, and uh, if Peter's going to be a paler shade of Otto, I'm still not feeling that wonderfully written character if if there is one
0: right um but i mean can we talk about that that moment with mockingbird for a second because it, it, that i mean to me this is an example of um something that we've seen a lot in the slot error that it's just like i've just grown so beyond tired with which is like you know we 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 they Spider- spider-man and mockingbird have this moment in issue four where you know Like, he more or less kind of, you know, abandons her on a S.H.I.E.L.D. mission and, you know, really, you know, screws her over, so to speak. And but then, you know, goes to Africa to save Aunt May and and she shows up kind of like, you know, yeah, I didn't like what you did to me, but I got your back. And, and, And it felt like a connection, like, okay you know. This is something to build on here. And then in the span of a page, you know, Bobby, like they're leaving Africa and she sucker punches him. And it's like, never get in the way with me in a mission again. Like, I respect what you did for your aunt, but never do that again. And it, it and it just felt like it, you know, like pulled the rug out from underneath that relationship. And it was like, well, back to that square one with that again. And it's like the, the, these characters just never grow. It's it's just always the same, you know, like even when they have a potential moment of growth, it's like Slot would rather play for something else, you know? Like And and what what is with characters sucker punching each other in Slot comics? We saw Spidey do it to Captain America. Didn't like Flash do it to somebody in an issue? Like I feel like this happens way too often in Slot stories.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean – I don't know that I have a lot of extra commentary to go with this. But, yeah, it's definitely a repeated something that we've seen. And, uh, yeah, the Mockingbird, I don't know what I meant to get out of this relationship and and what I meant to take away from Spider-Man's relationship with S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, just when you think that maybe something has gone wrong with his relationship with S.H.I.E.L.D., he then, in the span of a page of purely you know, expositional dialogue or, you know, him figuring out this solution with Scorpio and, and, and Zodiac, he, he gets right back in their good graces again. And is the guy calling the shots, you know, he goes from being potentially exiled to being the guy uh, calling the shots for shield. And it's weird. It's like, he's got one up on shield you know, but he's also still concerned about what they think about. Maybe so you flatten the consequences from an earlier issue, just for expediency in this in this issue. And let me ask you this, Mark: Do you find it really odd that the like this gathering of people, like in, in Shield, some of them know his secret identity and some don't? Like he's keeping this game going for certain people. Like what is Johnny doing in a meeting with Shield?
0: Yeah, it, it that seems very strange to me, and 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 I thought, like I thought Fury Junior. This feels silly saying that, but Fury Junior. Um, knew, but it seemed here he didn't.
1: I think Did I he's miss- like. Did I misread that? I think he's like. I, I read this several times because I was thinking about that too. I think he's like playing up that he doesn't know. Because of the mixed company of people there who gotcha. do and don't okay. know, um, that's just why it's odd to me. It's like if you're going to talk to him about Spider-Man, like why even make allusions to it at all? Like Nick Ju- Fury Jr. says, like maybe Peter or uh, maybe your Spider-Man friend will show up this time, and it's like why even comment on that? Like
0: yeah, wink, like, wink. Let's just say that Spider-Man's secret identity is P Parker. Wait, no, that's too obvious. How about Peter P?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's the equivalent of, like, Lando Calrissian pulling his mask down for the audience in Return of the Jedi. Like, guess what? It's me. You know, like, I'm still here.
0: (laughs) Good. I'm glad you didn't do, like, a Force Awakens spoiler, Dan.
1: No, no, I didn't. That's for my Facebook wall only.
0: (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um... I've been avoiding that because of that. Um, There you go. Yeah. And then, I mean, not to be too tangential about characters and relationships, but like, you know, and I, I mentioned this in the review, but like, what happened to Hobie Brown? He was like, they were like setting up this whole like Batman and Robin kind of dynamic in the first two issues. And I feel like Hobie's been totally relegated to the background. I didn't even recognize him in this issue. I thought it was Wraith at first. I was like, what's Wraith doing there? And I'm like, oh, no, that's Hobie. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I, that's not a problem for me. I mean he was there during the raid and he was there during all the meetings and stuff. And, and I get that there's a lot of moving pieces here. Like if we spend an issue with Hobie and him having a team up, that's fine I guess. I don't need him to be the
0: main character throughout. But to me it was one of those things that made the book, at least through the first few issues, feel kind of fresh and different. That's all. That's all I got. I I I, I, I I'm not expecting. Uh...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's just go through our like nitpicks for the next five minutes.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. Is this is like the 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 what were the silliest things in Spider Verse conversation we had a few months ago?
1: Yeah, right, right. Well, secret you
0: know, scrolls. <laughs> let me ask you a legit question because
1: this character Aiden showed up in this book, and I have no idea who this character is.
0: Yeah, no, n- not me either. Sorry.
1: Maybe he was one of those dudes introduced in the first issue, but I, I don't think so. And I like, did like a, a, a Marvelpedia search for Aiden and came up with nothing. So uh, I'm a little uh, – you know, there's probably a listener out there screaming into his iPhone like, Aiden is the guy from blank. But I, I just don't know who this dude is. I was like, is that, the, is that Hobie Brown? And then you know, the Prowler showed up and I was like, okay, so that's not Hobie Brown. Going by a different name, I don't know who this Aiden guy is.
0: Yeah, it, it, I, I, I mean, is is the is this universe so dense and so scattershot that we're introducing characters? Well, or referring to characters that we actually haven't introduced? It's possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, but even even the final reveal of this issue that uh, you know the character who is Scorpio is on Spider-Man's like Parker Industries funding board. I was like, wait a minute, who is this character again? And I had to go back a couple books to remind myself, oh, yeah, he showed up during an investor's meeting for like two panels several issues ago.
0: It's the long game, Dan. It's the long game.
1: Yeah. So like that review – I mean like that's interesting that possibly Zodiac is funding Parker Industries. I don't know what that means for Parker Industries or for, or for Peter um, – but, like it also fell a little flat for me because I had to literally go like, "Oh yeah, I, I I wasn't like literally rereading every issue before I got here to keep that in mind, uh, so yeah, anyway,
0: um, so something that and I don't, I don't know if I would define this as a nitpick, but um, we we talked about the characterization and kind of maybe some of the subtle changes, but um you know, we we I feel like, especially m- m- more so in this issue, like Peter kind of is he just keeps kind of oscillating between being his kind of traditional naive do-gooding self, you know, like his his outrage over the CCTV thing, and then like you know that scene where Spider Man and Human Torch are kind of like blowing through the British Museum, and he's like, oh, we'll pay for things that uh, get destroyed. I mean. That seemed very, like, mercenary, and of course it turned out that they're priceless artifacts and you can't replace them. I I, I just don't get who this character is.
1: I actually kind of liked the priceless artifacts thing, if only because it undercut that kind of boring and recycled idea of him just buying all new stuff that we we even commented on in the last episode where he, like, replaced the solar panels. Um, Although... (laughs) Destroying the Rosetta Stone is a pretty, pretty bold move by, by the Zodiac there. Um, not that I'm like overly fond of the Rosetta Stone, but uh, at least I was like, all right. Although I'm wondering how the Zodiac Key got inside of the Rosetta Stone. Did someone like cut it open previously and put it in there?
0: You can't trust those evil spies, Dan. You never know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, put it inside the British Museum, inside the Rosetta Stone. That's genius, Gary. Somebody give this guy a raise.
0: All right, Leo. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I mean, on the topic of the British Museum, I mean, like, I don't know. And this is another, like, really major complaint, especially the last two issues. You know, the, the, this book is supposed to have an international flair but I, I, I feel visually it's really lacking in that regard. Like, I there, there's just no sense that out, outside of the little locator icons and, like, an occasional skyline shot, there's no sense of where we are in this book.
1: You mean making fun of the way the British people talk, it wasn't enough for you?
0: Right, or that they drive on the other side of the road.
1: It's funny. I expected a lot more out of this issue considering that Dan Slott is such a Doctor Who fan. I figured we'd get a lot of, like... London references, you know, and we even there was even the uh, in, in the thick of it cover that had to be changed for this issue. Did you notice the the solicit the solicited cover was different than the one we got?
0: Oh no, I didn't see that.
1: Yeah, the characters inside the bus uh, on the cover of the original solicit were from the Great Show, the Thick of It, uh, and uh, people noticed that, like you know, the actor from. Who plays Doctor Who right now was on the cover, and now it's just like some random people uh, painted in. So they must have gotten in some trouble, or at least Alex Ross got them in some trouble, and they had to change it.
0: (laughs) You heard from somebody's estate, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, One of the things I did like in this issue – I didn't love it, but I thought it was a nice beat is that, you know, Otto seems to be doing some stuff with the nanotech behind the scenes. Um, And to me, that's a nice little development, you know, to kind of keep this story boiling. And while incorporating it in with the story that we're going uh, enough that it doesn't feel like we're sidetracking, you know, and enough that possibly when we get an auto centric issue, it doesn't feel like it's out of nowhere. Uh, I just thought it was a, a nice little pot boiler um, that didn't feel awkward or or or, or, in, or in, inappropriately inserted here.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it, it. It's definitely a slow burn, and I think I'm kind of more interested in this than the other kind. Uh, the slow burn we've been getting the last few issues with the the man in red. Although thankfully
1: we didn't get any of that here,
0: um, right? Or or resurrected dead villains, but um, or or dead spouses. Um, yeah, I I, I mean, it, there's definitely a sense of intrigue there. But but again, I mean, it's. I feel like we're just all building up for the inevitable collapse. Of Parker Industries and Peter and, and, you know, how this is all going to come crumbling down around him and, you know, the status quo will be restored. And, and I get it, but I I, I just – again, I, I feel like if you're going to come crumbling down, it has to be built from something. And I still I still find that aspect of this status quo lacking.
1: It's not a great hook either. Like I don't want to tune in next week to see how he's going to fail further, you know?
0: And I still don't even know what failure means. Like, so what? Anna Maria and Clayton are going to be out of jobs. I mean, what? What? What are we? What? What are the? What are the stakes of failing?
1: Yeah, I mean, his company seems so big; it seems almost like undefeatable.
0: <laughs> Too big to fail, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's what I want to read in my Spider-Man comics: is uh, bank reform.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's but it's a, it's a legitimate point. I mean, what what? So if, if Peter loses Parker Industries, I mean, then what? I mean, like I, I like I don't know. I, I feel like when like going back to like um brand new day when Jonah had the heart attack and uh what is it, Dexter Bennett takes over the bugle and like, you know, they sever- like Peter losing, like, that contact at the Bugle, that was a big – that felt like such a big deal because it was like, what is he going to do?
1: Yeah, or or when Peter was stuck in that time dilation universe and came back months later, there was real consequences to him being, like, gone from the story.
0: Yeah. So um, I I don't know what Parker Industries going down actually means. Like, we still don't even know, like, how much – Like they hinted months ago that like May and Jamison Sr. had money invested, but we don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? Like I'm assuming they got their money back at some point, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean if Parker Industries fails, at least his investors might be doing pretty well. I mean he suggests he's going to buy Sajani's stock in in, in this issue. Well, there you go. Somebody's getting rich.
0: Sajani, what a waste. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hope I mean, this is finally her exit.
0: No, she'll she'll be brought back in some contrived. Sp- she'll she'll help Otto out or something. It's 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 all a setup for something predictable and contrived.
1: Yeah. Well, but do I'm you want to get to our grades, Mark?
0: Sure. I'm sorry. Anything <laughs> else you want to say first?
1: Not really. I mean, I liked some of the additions to the story, but that's that's still it's such a marginal thing. I agree with you on on most accounts. So. Yeah, I'm giving this one a C
0: minus. All right. I'm going a, a full letter lower. I'm going D minus.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Mark.
0: It's fun. Uh, I gave it a four. It's the lowest grade I've given a comic so far since I've been reviewing with your, with your grade system.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. After that, uh, that last podcast, which I hope you guys really enjoyed, I've kind of started thinking maybe we should get rid of these grades here at the end of our reviews.
0: And, uh, I, it, it's clicks, baby.
1: <laughs> Is that really why people are tuning into the show for our grades?
0: Of course. Why? I mean, well, you mentioned that, you know, this got more comments than past ones. I'm sure that the low grade had something to do with it. Absolutely. It did. Um, not that I'm doing it for those cynical reasons. I really am not. But I mean, cause I mean, if I had given grades on chasing amazing for some spider verse books, they probably would be of this level or lower. I would never have given anything a one, though, Brian Jacobs.
1: <laughs> that ultimate end review is like – it's like a really terrible breakup occurred on our site.
0: I said it was, it was Frank Rich reviewing Carrie the Musical, which still might be – I don't know if you – have you read, ever read that, Dan? No, I haven't. To me, it is the um, the, 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 the epitome of what a bad review should be. Like it is the most scathing review I've ever seen a piece of art ever get. And, uh, and as you would assume for something that was a musical based on Stephen King's Carrie <laughs> that actually ran on Broadway for four shows before closing.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I, I had heard about it and then never followed up on the existence of that show. But uh, maybe this is why.
0: Oh, yeah. No, you got it. You got Just 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 Google Frank Rich and Carrie. It's 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 delicious.
1: I'll put the link in our show notes for everybody to read. Well, let's move on to your comments and emails. Well, guys, uh, as per usual, uh, one of the things that helps our show grow is all of your wonderful comments on our iTunes page. Um, but like usual, we don't have any new ones this week. Uh, So if you're you're out there and have not left us an iTunes review, it would be really helpful for us to, uh, to get those reviews and, and help get more eyes on our show or maybe ears on our show, uh, if you will. So, uh, head on over to iTunes and leave us a nice review if you can. Um, of course... You can also email us, uh, you know, wonderful emails and questions for us to answer on the show to amazingspidertalk at gmail com, or you can tweet us with the hashtag OK to print, and we'll also read those on the show. Well, we have one email this time from uh, our listener Matt Strott, um, who kind of has some theorizing to do. Mark, what is what is Matt asking us about?
0: Well, he he's asking about that man in red. Uh, that we were referring to earlier in the show, who's been showing up at the end of Amazing Spider-Man, and he wants to know if it's Mysterio.
1: Yeah, he suggests that, you know, Mysterio has a familiarity with both the lizard and the rhino, and he'd have the power to fool them, and obviously the whole Sinister Six connection. Um, so he was curious if we had a, you know, if this theory, you know, passes the test with us, and... uh and uh what we think of it i i, I don 't think we 've discussed it on the show, although you and I have certainly discussed it <laughs> off air yeah so,
0: we uh, we have we have texted about it i th- I believe
1: yeah, so what are uh, your thoughts on this mark i mean well, mysterio well, uh, it, it
0: it makes sense from a story standpoint i mean it, it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, mysterio has been missing since spider man he's been lost in the ultimate universe. Um, and of course, you know, the ultimate universe has now ended a la secret wars, although we still don't know how that, you know, full, well, we kind of know, but whatever, uh, secret wars hasn't ended yet. Thanks to publishing delays. Um, but you know, this could certainly be a way to reintroduce them back into the six one six universe. But, you know, Dan, as you and I've kind of discussed offline, I mean, Mysterio is a great villain. I love Mysterio, but I mean, if that's the reveal, is that sexy enough of a reveal for you?
1: Not really. And I also don't really know, you know, the the red, the red colored suit is such a specific color. I've never seen Mysterio wear or use red in any kind of way. And maybe that's misdirection, but like, I don't really think that this book is like that smart. Not that that's that, that smart, but like, I don't, I don't really see Dan Slott like Using a detail like that to kind of fool people. Like, I think whatever it is, it's going to incorporate red in some obvious way. Um, and it could even be nine red goblins if I got my wish. Uh, but, um, yeah, there you go. The, the sinister 14 or something like that. God knows we've had the sinister 12 before. Uh, yeah, yeah, the I don't Mark Ballar on that. I love Mysterio, and I love how he was used in the Ultimate Universe. And one of the things he did in the Ultimate Universe was build these kind of like dummy robot versions of himself. So certainly replicating other people is you know not out of his realm of of uh, of doing. Although you know they, Dan Slott has been very partic- particular to tell us that these characters have smells and things like that of their original. So it doesn't se- seem like it will be an android to me.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I see red, and I think Mephisto, but I don't know why he would be wearing a suit. I don't know.
1: Mephisto's rocks that like weird jester combination or whatever it is that he's wearing all the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's 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 the only villain that has a connection to Spider-Man that I could see. Dan Slott trying to reference. That wears, that's, a, that's a red villain You know what I mean? But I don't know if it really makes sense Yeah,
1: well, we'll find out Let us know what you guys think um, Maybe as a team we'll all come up with Something very compelling
0: Alright, well Dan, why don't we get to some spider news
1: Alright, we haven't done this in a while Spider-Man, Spider-Man Does whatever a spider can
0: what we have this time around is, uh, I don't know, Dan, I think this is the first time we've had a character that, whose origin came from a variant cover yeah, in their I, own series.
1: <laughs> yeah, Gwenpool is getting her own ongoing title, and I kind of hope that in continuity her origin is being on a variant cover.
0: That would be very Rob Liefeld esque, who is, of course, the creator of the original Deadpool. Um, I did not read the the Christmas special, Dan, but have you? Did you get to read it?
1: No, I, I haven't picked up anything because, frankly, it just seems kind of like a gimmick to me. Like, I mean, it's like. Cosplayers did it, but I don't really know what, if there's, like, real real demand for this other than Marvel saying Gwen is hot right now, so let's put out as many Gwen books as we can. I mean, with this book, Gwen is in more books than Peter Parker is.
0: About time, because that's – you know, poor Jerry Conway ruined the day that he killed her.
1: Yeah, but the weird thing is, like, Gwen is – like, this new Gwen is more reflective of, like, Gwen from – the movies than Gwen ever was in the comics. Like she might just as well be just like girl character. They're like, oh, we have a new girl character. We'll say she's Gwen, and it will sell like hotcakes.
0: Why do people say sells like hotcakes, Dan?
1: Apparently, hotcakes used to sell really well back in the day, which which was Wednesday.
0: That sounds like an Uncle Ben story.
1: It may just end up being our Uncle Ben story <laughs> now that you're mentioning it.
0: Okay. And what's our other little bit of news, Dan?
1: Uh So, you know, those of you who are keeping count of uh, Spider-Man movies in development right now, beyond uh, Captain America Civil War and the upcoming 2017 Marvel reboot of Spider-Man – Sony is apparently still going ahead with their animated Spider-Man movie, much to the befuddlement of all of us, except that it's gotten delayed to 2018 now, uh, and I'm still skeptical about the existence of this film, but, uh, you know, it's got, uh, you know, Miller and Lord who did the Lego movie on it, which I I really like all their films, so, I mean, I guess I'd be excited about an animated Spider-Man movie, but, like... Every delay of this thing makes me go, this is not going to happen.
0: Yeah. I didn't even know they'd ever make (laughs) one.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. It just seems like such a weird, like, brand confusion thing. I mean, people are already sick of Spider-Man movies getting rebooted. Do we need another Spider-Man property? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're supposed to be the guys that are enthusiastic like crazy for Spider-Man stuff, and I would love a beautifully animated Spider-Man movie, but I, it just seems weird to me as a film guy, I guess.
0: All right, well, that's that's interesting. 2018,
1: well, Ooh, it's gonna happen. It's,
0: it's gonna happen. All yeah. right, Dan, why don't we why don't we talk about Nine Red Goblin now?
1: Okay. Well, Mark, thank you for that amazing uh, segue there. Uh, (laughs) uh, I can't imagine that our listeners don't know what we're going to talk about now.
0: Well, you know, why don't we talk about our super special thing that's coming up in a week?
1: Yeah, that's going to be episode 100 of the show. Whoa, Mark, 100!
0: That means more than 100 weeks ago, my life changed for the worse.
1: Oh wow! That's what I, did you did, no. you did you did you grow six arms? Is that what happened?
0: Yeah, I, I, I took a potion because I was just sick of being me, and then you grew out of my ass.
1: Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh,
0: <laughs> you'll edit that out. I'm sure.
1: No, I'll leave that in. That's that's staying in. Even this dialogue about me editing it in, in is gonna stay in.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah,
1: this is great podcasting. Well, what's going to make our 100th episode great, other than sick Mark over here, is that we're going to have you listeners call in to the show and leave us wonderful voicemail. And I'll tell you, we begged last time for voicemail, and you guys delivered. We have about 10 voicemails now, and they're all great. We got some from all over the world. Uh, You know, from all different kinds of people. Though, I will say some people have called in and not said their name. Which, I want to know your name and where you're from. So call in, and of course you can do that by calling the number. Mark, what's our number?
0: Nine Red Goblin.
1: Yes, Nine Red Goblin. It's the villain in the red suit at the end of all of our comics. Maybe we'll get nine comics that end with this character. And it's our voicemail number.
0: Dan, you know we'll get more than nine comics that end this way.
1: Yeah, you're right. Who am I kidding? We're gonna be doing this for the next
0: two years. It's gonna be issue number 38, and we'll still have these like mysterious red-suited guys.
1: Like it's gonna to get to the point where he's brought every dead character in Spider-Man back to life, and uh, you know, and and just getting more and more obscure each time. But yes, nine red goblin call us and tell us about. Anything. Ask us a question that we can answer on the show. Tell us your experience, how you found us, um, all that stuff. And be sure to leave your name and where you're from so that we know who you are and where you're from.
0: All right, everybody. So, one more time. It's 9 Red Goblin. We've appreciated your call so far. Give us a few more. And then, why don't we get to some Flash reviews? Dan. I got a special friend who wants to say hi. Great. Did he give you
1: the cold that you have now, Mark?
0: Oh, shut up, Kavaz. <laughs> Listen to me right now. I sound worse than I'm going to sound in about 24 hours of New Year's Eve.
1: You, you know, Flash, uh, I, I've heard that alcohol suppresses your immune system. So maybe now of all times might be time to lay off of uh, the booze
0: yeah but you know then you take you take your robitussin and your nyquil proud sponsors of the amazing spider talk podcast and uh you know what's the first ingredient in those things it's it's more booze so how you know even when i'm trying to get better I, you know kind of satiate the need to be catch my drift
1: uh, unfortunately i i think i do i are you? Pre- wink, are you-
0: wink, glug, glug. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. Look, Neth, you're now popping pills. We're gonna have a whole other conversation. You know, starting here.
0: No, no, everything. I, I am on a strict liquid diet, Dan. But, um, and speaking of which, uh, I'm gonna sample a little more of that champagne that uh, Mark was referring to before the show began. So, why don't you do your silly little sixty second reviews? And uh, you know why don't you be all nice and safe and sober tomorrow night? Because I'm sure that's what you're gonna do. Actually, because you're a loser. Oh man, he he seemed pretty pissed off tonight, Dan.
1: I, I have to admit to Flash that I I was planning <laughs> on drinking uh, tomorrow night. So, uh, you know, maybe 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 I'll catch some of what Flash has been up to.
0: Yeah, just you know, just don't drink from the same bottle. That was the lesson I learned. I didn't even know he drank from the bottle. It was like. You know, really fine scotch. And I was like, I don't know why I was drinking from the bottle, but I did. Your story
1: a, is falling <laughs> apart very quickly, Mark.
0: Uh, you know, it's Christmas. A fine scotch. Took a squig. And then, like, you know, he, like, started laughing at me. He was like, ha, 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 look what I did to you. And it's, hence this cold.
1: It's almost as if you're the alcoholic, Mark, and Flash is just a persona that you put on in order to avoid being caught for being an alcoholic.
0: This is getting way too deep, and I'm on way too many cold pills right now, Dan.
1: (laughs) Well, then let's get into it. Our first review of our Flash reviews, the 60-second reviews of all the Spider-Man B titles. So what's our first one here, Mark?
0: My first one is going to be Secret Wars 8, so we're going back a couple of weeks now, right?
1: Okay, yeah, Mark. Secret Wars number 8, I'm going to count you in in 3, 2, 1.
0: Yeah, well, a lot definitely happened in this issue, and while I wish the actual release schedule of the series would get its um, stuff together, this felt like the first truly big issue we've had in a while and left me satisfied for what's to come in the final edition. All the stars have been aligned for a huge finale that's going to feature a ton of carnage and destruction that will likely all be undone, except when it comes to the Fantastic Four, I guess. Um, Rubik 's artwork continues to be very dreamlike and to the surreal quality of this narrative uh dan i 'm ready for secret wars to end in a good way, and it 's fan club certified all right, Dan, let me uh count you in in three, two, one.
1: I completely agree with you, Mark. This issue brought me back to my feelings about the very first issue of this series. And uh, I I don't think I've ever seen a battle in Marvel Comics that felt so grand and that so fully utilized every facet of the Marvel Universe. I absolutely love how Ribic is playing with scale in this issue, and it totally pays off. The three-way battle at the end of this issue is absolutely everything that I think these big event books should be about. And I hope we get a ton of it in issue nine with also some of the real great sentimentality that's been throughout this whole series. So, yes, bring on secret wars number nine. this one's fan club certified
0: all right, Dan uh next one up is spider man twenty ninety nine number four
1: yeah twenty ninety nine number four I can't believe that we're already on the fourth issue of this, uh, even though the fifth issue was rumored to come out this week
0: well, same with amazing spider man six
1: yeah, so and whoops. Spidey
0: two yeah. I think there was a budget. <laughs> Sorry, Diamond Distributors.
1: Yeah, right. So uh, Spidey 2099, number four. Why don't I count you in in three, two, one.
0: So I'm really having a hard time figuring out what's missing from this series. It still has that Peter David Witten charm, and there's plenty of callbacks to the original 2099 that makes this series a real thrill for us 90s fans. And yet I don't find myself all that engrossed by this Captain America 2099 subplot that's quickly involving into one of the book's central stories. I think there's a shelf life for heroes with some semblance of amnesia, and that gimmick is getting played out rather quickly in this series. Additionally, I feel like the current status quo is very unfocused in terms of what the established endgame is about. Is it Miguel getting revenge for Tempest, Tempest's mysterious past, trying to rebuild the 2099 timeline so people can return? Yeah, I know it could be all of these things, but at this point, none of them seem to be taking priority, and I continue to be nonplussed. So I'm going to say Puny Parker. Okay, Dan. Three, two, one.
1: Yet again, I agree with you, Mark. Uh, I suspect that the Captain America story contained in this book would interest me more if I knew how Secret Wars concluded. But right now it just seems like a distraction. I like David's characters and how he's written Miguel, but there are just too many plots being juggled right now, and I find myself having a hard time keeping up on which one I should care about. I want to follow up with Tempest and see how Miguel is going to change the future. But I'm not sold on the whole travels, Travelers from the Future gimmick, and this series has already had far too many issue-long fights for my liking. So I'm calling this one Puny Parker as well.
0: All right. Uh, I'm sensing a trend developing here, Dan. Is this, is, is this something we should uh, be on the lookout for?
1: What, me agreeing with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's happened before, but uh... – yeah, uh, I hope it doesn't stay true. Uh, yeah,
0: it's always better. It's always better when we fight. Yeah, like Captain America and Iron Man.
1: Yeah, Civil War, Amazing Spider Talk style.
0: Yes. Okay, so we're going to talk Spider Gwen or Radioactive Spider Gwen number three. So why don't you count me in here?
1: Yeah. All right. Three, two, and one.
0: This comic answers the burning question that I've been wondering for years. Does Tootsie Roll hair follow the Osborne family across the multiverse? Well, in all seriousness, after losing a bit of faith in this series last time out, I felt that this book took a step in the right direction, putting the focus back on the characterization and world building rather than this lizard shield subplot that dominated the first two issues. The interplay between Gwen and Jessica Drew at the beginning was very touching, as was Jessica's description of the tragedy of the 616's Gwen Stacy. Harry Osborn's return debut, whatever you want to call it, in this comic was well handled, as was the reveal as to how he figures into the Gwen and Peter story. Plus, we also get back to Captain Stacy, a character who is very critical to the success of the larger story. I'm still not 100% back on board outside of moments the series has lost some of the fun it was having the first time around, but this is still a solid book that's worth the hype and the investment. Fan club certified. All right, I'm going to catch you in in three, two, one.
1: Yeah, Mark, I'm still not on board with this series myself, but again, like you said, oh my God, I can't believe I'm agreeing with you again. This issue was a huge step in the right direction for exactly the reasons you stated, even though me agreeing with you is a step in the wrong direction for our relationship. I'm happy to move away from S.H.I.E.L.D.'s involvement, mostly because I'm not particularly interested in learning about more heroes in another fictional universe that likely won't last nearly as long as the ultimate Spider-Man did, mostly because I don't think the characters here are nearly as interesting to read as the ones in that book. Still, I like the return to spending time with our characters and learning more about Harry though I'm curious where the hell he got that glider from and casually introduced into conversation. And, and the same goes for the trip back to the 616 universe. A lot of this stuff just feels really rushed and unnecessary to the core narrative. But still, I'm giving this one a fan club certified.
0: Man, no comments about Tootsie Roll hair.
1: Hey, I agree with you, Mark. It was a, it was a burning question, but one that we luckily have answered.
0: I still feel the greatest uh, reference to Tootsie Roll hair comes in that Deadpool number 11 by Joe Kelly. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, what is with this guy in the hair? Anyway. All right, Dan. So now we're going to do Silk number two. All right. Three, two, one. All right. Jerry Seinfeld mode. Silk. She's good. She's bad. She's good. She's bad. What's the deal? She has a haircut. Does Felicia Hardy have a sharp canine tooth? Anyway, similar to the book this series was spun off from, Silk is precariously walking the tightrope between the series it once was and a spy book that's not really that successful at being either. Robbie Thompson's scripts will forever have charm and quirky catchphrases that are all the rage with those millennials these days. Right, Dan? But yeah. they're also starting to sound a bit too samesy for my taste. Uh, Meanwhile, there's just not enough intrigue being generated in this silk double agent premise for me to forgive the repetitive nature of Thompson's writing. The book isn't bad, but it's not memorable, which in some ways might be worse. So I'm going to say Puny Parker. Dan, you can go in three, two, one.
1: Uh, Well, I think issue two is the wrong time for this book to not only change artists – But also to spend so much of the issue juggling multiple plot lines and exposition. I mean, this is issue two, for for God's sakes. I like this series a lot, you know, regardless of that. Especially because it really seems like Cindy has a life that her superheroics are cutting into. Much the opposite of how Peter Parker's life seems to be only his superheroics. But this early on in the series, I'm looking for more of a direct hook to get me going. This felt like a filler issue in many ways, and in the ways that it wasn't, I found myself not particularly floored. I'm not really interested in who the Goblin King is, and I'm not really sold on the fact that the goblins are seemingly mutating kids to look like goblins. That just seems a bit outside of their M.O. At this point, I'm bored of the goblins because they don't hold the power over Peter and his friends that they used to, and instead they become just another group of villains with henchmen. So I'm calling this one Puny Parker.
0: Ooh, you just came in under the deadline there, dude.
1: Hot, hot, hot.
0: Ooh, hot take, hot take.
1: Well, next up we've got uh, the second issue of Web Warriors, which I think you and I both liked the first one. So uh, I'll count you in on this new one in three, two, one.
0: This series continues to do the things that were notably neglected during the Spider-Verse event earlier this year, namely build out this expanded multiverse of spider characters by actually focusing on these characters and their biographies. And yet, this series still remains that sense of chaotic fun that should be par for the course for these multiversal adventures. The retrospective of all the different elect- Electros was a joy to read, and better than any Spider-Verse story or miniseries that we got. This book is fast becoming a favorite of mine from the Spider-Office. Who would have thought that just you know earlier this year? Fan club certified.
1: Surprising, Mark. Nice to hear.
0: Right, you know, and, and, and I would like to note that we are still in agreement on everything so far tonight.
1: Yeah, this is, this is a, a first, I think.
0: All right, well, now, does it continue for Web Warriors Two, three, two, one. 3, 2, 1?
1: Well, Mark, I liked the first issue of this series. I didn't love it. But boy, did I enjoy the heck out of this one. Our Moonbase Electro's backstory was a total blast to read, and I love that despite how much we're made to care about him, he's still undone by Spider-Gwen in the end, just as any evil Electro should be. Like, in the manner of a panel or two. This book is super fun, wacky, and yet still has tons of heart. I'm a bit confused how everyone is managing to travel through the multiverse with such ease without causing a ton of complications, not to mention how busy Gwen must be. At this rate, yeah, she has more books than Peter Parker. I'm also not sure how much I really want a Marthi-Versal Spider-Man book. It just seems like a huge stretch in the character's scope. But if it's going to be written this well, given that we have a Tony Stark, Peter Parker, I'll accept it. So let's call this one fan club certified. (laughs) Keeping this streak alive here, Mark. More agreements.
0: Oh my goodness! I, I I don't I don't know what to say. Well, the next one's gonna be Ultimate End number five, and I, I we're bound to disagree here because this book has been so polarizing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've never agreed on the Ultimate End series before. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
0: No, no, no. So why don't you count me in?
1: All right, three, two, one.
0: The ultimate universe is dead and kind of like the finale to Lost, the final moments of the series caused me to not really care about anything or the outcome or these characters, you know, stuff like that. Uh, sure, I would have liked to see what happened to May, Gwen, MJ, some of the other supporting cast members, but such matters were clearly never a priority for this team, for, for Marvel or this creative team. At the same time, I find it a bit cowardly for Marvel to hit such a hard reset with Miles' status quo, essentially giving him a happy ending while throwing him into this new universe. Think of how much more interesting a Miles book would have been with him being forced into the 616 without his support system from Ultimate. At last, it appears, Marvel is just going to publish an Ultimate Miles book that takes place in 616, so who cares? Uh, I say Puny Parker. Because, you know, you thought I was going to like that book, didn't you? <laughs> Like, oh, look at Miles, he got everyone back, yay, it's cranky, yay! yay. Remember
1: Rio, the one yeah. thing of consequence in Miles' life? Guess what? She's yeah. back.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but, you know, on that note, I bet you like this book. Three, two, one.
1: Well, Mark, before we get into my opinions, I th- the – Return of Rio makes me wonder if we're getting the return of Uncle Aaron, and that will be officially the moment that I slam my head against the desk. Anyway, Bendis always said that everything would become clear at the end of this story, and I honestly have to admit that I'm more confused now. Bagley clearly took one for the team. He delivers a ton of amazing portraits of some of our favorite characters. I mean, there are a ton of people packed into this book. But it's all for nothing. This is a, this book is garbage, Mark. Oh, my I, God. I want to throw it away. Ah! You know what? But even as garbage, it's still kind of an improvement on what's come before for this series. I mean – That this truly awful book, though, is the end of the Ultimate Universe only adds a nail to the coffin of what I considered a wonderful print line. I just hate that the person putting the nail into that coffin this time is me. Mark, I won't echo what you said about Miles because I totally agree, but this book only further tempers my excitement. Or not tempers, holds back my excitement for the Spider-Man book releasing in February because Bendis has been off his game for such a long time. This one is the puniest Parker.
0: I'll let you go a little extra there, Dan, because I feel like you needed that catharsis.
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, look, even the final arc of Ultimate Spider-Man was not good. So, like, Bendis for a whole year has been a clunker. So I, I, I'm I, hoping that, like, he can somehow rejuvenate
0: himself in February. So, I mean, as, as... – Who I would say is the ultimate, ultimate fan. What would you rather read, this or Ultimatum? I
1: Actually, I mean, that's tough because I feel like Ultimatum was really the death of the ultimate universe. Uh, It was the first nail in that coffin. Um, Boy. I think maybe Ultimatum. I I don't know. That's tough.
0: All right. Well, you could sleep on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, because this thing, like, I don't want to go too much into it, but... It has this final monologue between Miles and Spider-Man recapping this universe, but it's not even ultimate Peter Parker. It's some random made-up Spider-Man. So who cares? What's the deal? What's the deal? Okay, next up, let's go from the darkest timeline to one of the brightest timelines, at least I think, with Spider-Woman. we got Spider-Woman number two. So, um, Mark, I'm going to count you in. In three, two, uh, just get on with it already.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to submit and give in to this serious concept, despite the fact that the last time i said I found the pregnancy angle to be gimmicky. The thing is, Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez are creating a sense of great stakes and consequences for Jessica Drew with her pregnancy. And as a result, I'm hooked into the book's narrative. Speaking purely subjectively, I did prefer a more street-level narrative, a la Daredevil meets Superior Foes. But having Jessica have, a, have to fight a very large gamut of instincts in a cosmic hospital has been overrun with scrolls, maintains the character, character-centric, goofy qualities that the previous series had. So sign me up and let's keep up those doses of overbearing parental responsibility. Fan club certified. Woo! You've converted me, Dan. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah! Uh, Spider-Woman number two for Dan. Three, two, one. All right,
1: Mark. I have to admit... I am the biggest sucker for Javier Rodriguez on the planet. Like, cancel all my plans. I want to buy his artwork as much as I can. There goes all my money from me not having a job. Well, whatever. Anyway, this dude could draw just about any comic, and I'd love it. And that he's drawing a comic written by Dennis Hopeless, who's obviously drawing upon his real-life experiences, having been part of his wife's pregnancy, all the better. This book has it all. Heart, great action, and a lot of wonderful comedy. Spider-Woman, to me, continues to be the best superhero book in Marvel's line. I can't remember the last time I smiled so much while, having a, while reading a book. Sure, I want to know about the pregnancy just like you, Mark, but I'm too busy having fun with Jess and her awesome supporting cast. Fan club certified.
0: Well, Dan, it was a clean sweep. We agreed on everything. Oh, my
1: goodness. Everybody, so, mark uh, this one in your books it took us 99 episodes, and we finally agree.
0: There we go. Because, you know, we, we never agree.
1: Yeah, I guess we agree mostly on our main reviews, but right, these right. B-books are where we battle it out.
0: Yeah. Boom. All right. Well, why don't we get to the goodbyes?
1: Well, Mark, yes, it's that time of the show where we have to say goodbye. So here it is, the end of the show. Oh, Bye. no, we have to read our scripts. <laughs> oh, no. Uncle do, 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 do. Ben's dead. I fooled you. It's not over yet. Because you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at our website, SuperiorspiderTalk.com. And of course, find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And be sure to leave us those reviews. We want those reviews.
0: Give us the damn reviews. Also be sure to check out our Facebook pages and subscribe to our sister podcast The Ultimate Spin and most of all leave us a voicemail at 9 red goblins so we can include your audio message in our upcoming 100th episode. All right Mark where can we find you on the internet this week? Well, uh, you could of course, find me on superiorspiretalk.com, where uh, I finished up my Lost Gems retrospective for the month. And starting next week, we'll have a new feature that you'll have to wait and see. And then we're going to have a really cool end-of-the-year retrospective that um, might might have already been released by the time some of you listen to this. But, uh, you know, it was basically me cracking the whip with our staff to get our favorite stories for the year. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to read everybody's submissions um, when that goes live. Um, Awesome, Mark.
0: Uh, Dan, where can we – oh, you can find me on Twitter, at ChasingASMblog. And what about you, Dan?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk or my – Personal account at Dan Gavasdan. Read all of our wonderful stuff at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, and read my top ten movies of 2015 over on GrindMyReels.com. I saw 247 movies this year, Mark, and uh, I had to choose ten of them to write about.
0: And I always think of that Onion article of man sits by movie theater by himself, and think <laughs> of you.
1: That is me. Uh, you're,
0: the, you're the one person who sees more movies than my dad, Dan, and that's not a compliment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe – I think next year one of my resolutions is going to be to watch a movie every day or at least 365 movies in a year. Can I do it? Will I go more insane than I already am?
0: You sound like my brother who wants to run 50 races next year.
1: Oh, that is crazy.
0: Like I'm like, I want to do more races next year, Dan. As I know, you, you know how excited I am about running, but I don't think I could do 50. That's like one a week. That's a lot of running.
1: We need to do comparison images between your brother and I, where as I watch <laughs> more movies, I just gain mass and look more sickly. And your brother running 50 races just becomes like an ultimate hunk. And then we ask go. the readers, who made a better decision?
0: Whose resolution was better?
1: Yeah, right.
0: All right, Dan. Um... Anything else you want to hit me with before we leave? Like any any presumptuous questions about things? In fact, I do have a presumptuous question, Mark. H- oh my how, goodness! How did
1: you How did you know?
0: Well, it, 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 it seems to be par for the course when it comes to our shows, Dan.
1: Yeah, well, you know, un- your Uncle Ben—he uh, was an old dude, right? So oh, you know, the uh, oldest. Yeah, the oldest. Actually, factually, Guinness Book of Records, oldest man alive until his well, not really well, he, untimely death.
0: Well he's been alive and dead since nineteen sixty two, Dan.
1: Well, you know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate being the oldest man alive that even despite his age, it wasn't old age that got him, it was a burglar that broke into his house.
0: Yes. The ham burglar, right? Because uh, he went to go buy hot cakes at a McDonald's.
1: Yes, he did. So Mic he, drop. <laughs> so so appara- <laughs> apparently he's old enough to know that, how, why hot cakes sold so fast. Why was that? Did he ever share that with you?
0: Well, I think I just told you, Dan. I mean, he was – okay. So hot cakes, of course, go into any McDonald's. They now sell breakfast all day. Great, right? Do they do that, in California?
1: Yeah, they absolutely do.
0: And you know what are one of the the primo menu items on the McDonald's breakfast menu? The hotcakes, right? Sure. Hotcakes and sausage. Yeah, come on, egg McMuffin, but hotcakes—they're the big sellers. I'm a McGriddle dude. And uh, yeah, but you can't get the McGriddle all day. It's like that's like that's not an all day item, Dan. It's not. No, it's just the egg McMuffin, the sausage McMuffin, and the hotcakes. This is news to me. Well, you need, you need to, like, be lazy and have a breakfast sandwich at, like, 2 in the afternoon like I do.
1: Well, it's probably because the hotcakes sell so well, they keep them going all day.
0: Exactly. And they sell so well because – you remember the Hamburglar? Yeah, I the, do. The, the, the Rubble Rubble guy? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Rubble yeah, yeah, Rubble. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, things that McDonald's doesn't want you to know about, the, the Hamburglar was a serial killer. What? <laughs> yeah. He was killing people over hotcakes. So they had to sell the hotcakes so quickly, or the hamburger would show up and like murder an entire restaurant of people. What a, what a bizarre business plan. <laughs> sadly, this is very sad. I'm crying so much right now. Um, sadly. Uncle Ben learned this fate all too well about selling like hotcakes. Because he got to McDonald's after eleven o'clock one day, before they sold breakfast all day. And he asked for hotcakes, and they're like first they were like, We 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 can't sell you hotcakes, sir, because it's after eleven o'clock. But you know, Uncle Ben was a kind looking old man. So they made an exception. And at that moment, BAM! The Hamburglar showed up, killed Uncle Ben, and then the entire restaurant of people. And that's all I got. Um, Very sad. And with great podcasts, must also come amazing Spider Talk.
1: This is gonna go after the end music where Where's it gonna go? Blow it into the microphone. I'll include it at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the episode. I got snot all over my hand now. <laughs>